again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And this is the first show of what I call the December to Remember. I'm planning a lot of great stuff to end this year with a special bit of cheer. Starting with a couple special guests that we're having this week. Special coverage from this week's USA Cycling Cyclocross National Championships. That's going to be the foundation for next week's show. Working on a couple possibilities for some great guests for the week leading up to Christmas. And then the last week of the year and the first week of the new year, we're going to have two special shows looking back at the best and looking back at the story of this past year, not just in inclusion in sport, but perhaps in sports overall. More on that in the weeks to come. But a quick look at what's in Outsports right now, and there are some very timely articles. One, having to do with the college football playoffs and the links to all four schools and how they've supported LGBTQ athletes. Alex Rimmer, who's been doing some knockout work not just in Outsports, but on the Kiki, has this stuff, and it's some good stuff. A lot of good links there. World Cup is continuing, and Sid Ziegler having an article on how the group of death of gays is doing. You know, it's that group of countries that, quite frankly, really don't like LGBTQ people that much, and and Sid shows how they're pretty much not in the proceedings as the World Cup goes to the quarterfinals this coming weekend. Now, I'm one to say good. It's good to see that more inclusive countries are doing well. But again, Sid, have to remind you, among those countries that are in what he calls the group of deaf to gays, what do they all have in common just about? Middle Eastern countries or countries that are largely in the global south and or countries that we're told to dislike as Americans. Now, only one of those countries are left in this tournament, and that is Morocco. And Morocco has a pretty good team, has some lousy LGBTQ laws. And again, should they be criticized? Absolutely. But my dear Mr. Ziegler, let's look at the entire group as a whole. Now, Morocco, Portugal, their quarterfinal match. We just talked about Morocco. Portugal, they seem pretty good. France has broad-based LGBTQ protections. They play against Turf Island, England, United Kingdom, probably the most transphobic nation in the NATO alliance. But don't tell Hungarians that necessarily, although I will say the stance of this Tory government, especially the trans people, is as bad as Orban's Hungary, in my estimation. Then you have Croatia, who's a member of the don't of what's it called the Don't Ask, Don't Tell group. They got some issues, and they take on Brazil, as in deadliest nation for trans people over the last five years. Brazil. And we got numbers on this. And there's the quarterfinals between the Netherlands and Argentina. Now, Argentina has made a lot of great strides in LGBTQ rights. They have trans. They have a trans person 
who is in their top division of the women's soccer league. That ain't bad. And the Netherlands, well, the Netherlands is one of the safest places to visit and go and live if you're LGBTQ. And plus, friend of the podcast and our college football analyst, Chelsea Poe, considers the Netherlands her second home. So can't be all bad. Overall, though, the point, I've said this throughout this entire tournament, and I will always say it. If you really want to help the countries that are in the group of death and countries like Qatar, if you really want to help the people that are fighting the fight over there, let's get it right here in the West. Let's get it right at home. Let's get it right in places like Rishi Sunak's Britain, like Greg Abbott's Texas, like Ron DeSantis' Florida. Once again, Texas and Florida at the next World Cup Their cities are hosting matches when the World Cup comes here. Again, I think given their stands on things such as don't say gay, maybe we need to move those matches to more affirming, more LGBTQ inclusive locales. But that's just me. Also, Alex Rimmer, an excellent story on Carl Nassib. Getting it done on Monday Night Football. Now, what's with Carl Nassib and Monday Night Football? You remember, first game as a Raider last season. Opening night, Monday Night Football made the key fumble that led to the winning play. Monday Night Football for the Bucks against the Saints made the key sack that led to the Tom Brady comeback. You know what? Carl Nassib be an all-pro if he could play every game on Monday night. Something that Sid Ziegler said in the tweet. Every game for Carl Nassib, I reflect on what a total non-story is continued play as a gay athlete is in the NFL. As I've said for years, the media circus storyline has been utter nonsense. And you know what? I'm glad about that. Keep it up, 9-4. Hopefully, all the way to the playoffs. And, oh... One last thing. I got Georgia on my mind today for three reasons. One, Senator Warnock reelected. Two, Herschel Walker can now live in Texas openly. And number three, a certain swimmer from the University of Kentucky gave support to yet another losing candidate. More on that later. Our special guest for this week, like we said from the beginning, this is what we call the December to remember. We're going to do some different things on the show to mark the end of 2022. Talked about earlier how we will have coverage from the USA Cycling Cyclocross National Championships, which are happening just down the road from me this week into next week. And we're going to have some special guests. And at the end of the year, our year end retrospectives which will include a look back at what was perhaps the most contentious story, perhaps even in all of sports this year. We're going to have an oral history of Leah Thomas. That'll be coming throughout this month here at the Transporter Room. But that, but this special month leading up to the holiday season, of course, brings us a little bit of cheer. Now, when you think of beauty pageants, what do you think about? You think of tiaras and beauty queens and makeup and possibly the movie Miss Congeniality. But with me this week are a couple people who are 
very much changing the game. Imagine, if you will, being called Miss Something when you're not a miss. Imagine, if you will, having the poise, having the grace, having the savoir faire, but at the same time also being trans. Well, we have two people that live up to these descriptions and definitely are changing the game in a game that, it, that some see as unchanging and somewhat archaic. Joining me are two New England-based pageant winners who are heading towards perhaps a destiny that will include Miss America, that will include big tiaras in big places, in big spaces. One is in Connecticut, one is in New Hampshire, one is known as Miss Greater Dairy, the other is known as Miss Stamford. They're both winners, they're both beautiful, and they're both here at the transporter room. Two transporter beams, one down to Litchfield, New Hampshire, one down to Stamford, Connecticut. Leah Juliet, Brianne Wynn, welcome to the transporter room, Energize. Thank you for having us. Hello, <laughs> it's so nice to finally be here. It's great to have you here. And I can tell you, it's wonderful to have you both here. What is the holiday pick hit for you? Okay, here's mine. I, I just finished buying all of my holiday gifts for folks in my family. I only purchased things on Etsy this year because I wanted to support uh, local artists and small businesses. And so what I would recommend, if you want to up your fashion game while also getting folks the best gift that they've ever seen, is find a picture of their pet if they have a pet. Um, so for me, I, I took pictures of dogs and cats of all of the folks who I know who I was buying gifts for. And uh, I, I used them through an artist who made uh, custom pullover hoodies and hats with uh, custom drawings of their pets on them. I find that um, people go bananas for pet themed gifts, especially when they're customized. So I highly recommend uh honestly like you could you could spend like twenty dollars on something like that on etsy instead of like fifty dollars at target or a, like a big corporation um so definitely shop small and do some custom pet fashion items mine's definitely not as creative as that but i know that everyone stands out in the color red it's the color that i won miss greater dairy in Everyone just looks amazing in red. And don't forget to layer. It is cold outside. Girls got to stay cold while staying cute. <laughs> Everybody heard that. Layers. That's the thing for this. Got to be layered. So you both recently did something on Instagram Live. It was, it was about conversation about trans identity and online hate. Now, both of you right out of the gate. Pageant winners. Congratulations. Looking to perhaps represent your state yeah i kind of what kind of resistance and ugliness have you been getting um so i i guess i'll start um i have encountered cyberbullying and online harassment 
since I was a young teenager, I was a victim of revenge porn and child sexual abuse imagery, um, which is actually what I actively do through my advocacy and my activism and my nonprofit. So I, I kind of know very well what it's like to be harassed online as a young person. But since um, being involved in the organization, I think a lot of the harassment that I've gotten has been regarding my identity, folks who are confused about how I can, you know, be in this organization as a, a candidate, Miss Stanford, but identify as non-binary. How could I use they, them pronouns? Am I taking away opportunities from people who do identify as women? And, um, and, and so people take out that, uh, uncertainty and that misinformation that they're getting from the media and they take it out on, on things like my body saying that I'm fat saying that you know I I'm hideous or I'm ugly things that they that are really just easy uh critiques that they can make but I I think that they they do so because they they not only don't tolerate who I am but they don't understand who I am um and so yeah I I think that Brienne has has experienced a lot of that as well that whole taking taking things away. Where have I heard that one before? Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that pageantry, especially in this organization, is is kind of uh, also taking the same uh, rhetoric that that we're seeing in sports. Uh, you know, protecting women and and preserving opportunities for women. It, it's the same through line. It's the same rhetoric. Really, it's just coded language for transphobia. What I have to say to that that is that uh, I've been involved in this organization since I was 13, since before I came out as non-binary. And this organization was founded 100 years ago uh, to give opportunities to women at the time when when they were underrepresented, uh, cis women, of course. Um, And now, 100 years later, uh, we have the opportunity to open the doors of this organization to, to more people of diverse backgrounds, diverse gender identities who weren't historically represented here. Um, and I think that it will make the organization more relevant. The more candidates you have who want to join and participate and who are excited about the organization, like Brianne and I are, the more relevant it's going to be, the more retention you'll get of those candidates, and the more uh, the long-term uh, legacy of the organization can go into the future. To answer your question, though, about myself being a miss and, you know, using the miss honorarium, I don't think that an honorarium that I wear on a sash over my chest in any way defines me. It doesn't take away from my non-binary identity. It doesn't take away from the pronouns that I use. Rather, it pays homage to the history of the organization um, and and the women who came before me, who I I greatly respect. Brianne, what about you? Because I know you... You've taken some shots. After you won your pageant, what's it been like for you? I mean, this isn't something that is, it's unfortunately not new for me, being in this industry and just being on social media in general. And just, it's sad that I've gotten used to it, but it's also made me a lot stronger to sort of being like, oh, okay, they're just hating. And the mindset that I've always thought about is that, I am fighting for inclusion and they are fighting for exclusion. So at the end of the day, when you weigh it all out, you just think, who's really in the right here? How do you ignore the haters who try to get you? Because if they're not talking about you being trans, they're going to say, oh, she too big being a pageant. Or there's this or there's that. Or even never mind the fact that I saw some of the, I saw like the photos of you in the court and your court. 
And if it was strictly just on, on lens presence, that was a landslide win for you. Thank you. How do you deal when the haters are getting at you? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to realize that we are fighting for something so much bigger than just one person being allowed in this organization. We are now opening the floodgates for so many more youth and not just for trans people, but for, like Leah said, for ethnic backgrounds, for size backgrounds, for, for even financial backgrounds. Those people are now going to see there was a woman who did not look like everyone else who did not act like everyone else, who was not raised like everyone else, she broke through every single wall that was placed in front of her. And now that I've broken through them, everyone else can come right behind me and we can fill this world with so much more love and so many more unique perspectives. And that's why I think at the end of the day, I have to think of the bigger mission than just the people sitting at home on their keyboards, writing some nasty words I can't think about. That. Now, for both of you, I'd said from the outset, pageants, or or to quote Candace Bergen in Miss Congeniality, it's a scholarship competition, but in many ways, been around for over 100 years, it's seen as backwards to some. To, to some, it's seen as archaic. It's an anachronism of a bygone age. And they're definitely in the binary. What made you both decide that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this on anyway? I mean, go ahead, Brian. Okay. Um, I think to start, when I was little, like when I watched these parades with all these women, I saw them as not only beautiful, not only smart, but kind, charismatic, empathetic, and Thinking to myself, these aren't qualities that are exclusive to just very fit, um, probably blonde, very beautiful, naturally beautiful women. These are traits that can be possessed by anyone. And I think that as time went on, I wanted to prove that in the pageant industry, that not just an exclusive amount of people can hold these traits that anyone can. And like I said earlier, we can offer unique perspectives to this job because at the end of the day being a title holder is sort of like a job where we bring joy and value to a lot of people's lives and so that's just something that I wanted to bring to the table that anyone can have the the qualities of a queen I was just gonna say I mean to your point Carly I think that there are a lot of pageant systems that are outdated and are archaic, uh, specifically pageant systems that focus on physical appearance, pageant systems that still have bathing suit competitions and that judge you specifically on how you look in a dress, that have interview portions that are only two minutes long because, of course, you could get to know someone in two minutes. Um, I think that those competitions are doing more of a disservice to women than trans people being involved in pageantry in general is. But I also think it's important to clarify that the Miss America organization um, isn't any of those things. 
when we say it's a scholarship competition, you know, you laugh, but truly, uh, last year at Miss America, I believe Emma Broyles won over a hundred thousand dollars in scholarship, as well as, uh, full rides, uh, to, to multiple different universities. Um, I've won several thousand dollars in scholarship just from my involvement over the last few years. Um, but even more than scholarship, it also, uh, is, is rooted in, in service. Um, I've been able to learn how to uplift and amplify my voice. I, I started in this organization when I was 13. I was the only gay teen who, who was out at the time. And I realized through, through this organization that my voice mattered and that what I was advocating for, which was uh, against LGBTQ plus discrimination at my high school, was valuable, even if the people around me in my small conservative hometown didn't see it. Miss America thought this is worthy of, of uplifting your voice. And so gradually as I've gotten older and as I've done more, I, I can now return to this organization with the tools that it has given me, but also the tools that I've gained myself from telling my own story and leveraging my own talents and skills and experiences. And now I can come back to this organization and give that to others, specifically young people who don't see themselves represented, who may be marginalized, who want the same scholarship opportunities and civic opportunities. Um, and, and finally, just the ability to be on a national stage like Miss America in a, in a live telecast, uh, being able to be there as your true authentic self, I think is an incredibly a powerful moment for representation. Yeah. You know, you can make some serious history if you end up going all the way. I'm well, Miss Connecticut has not won this thing since 1933. Yeah. I was first runner-up last year at Miss Connecticut, and so I really hope uh, that I get the opportunity this year to to win and go on to Miss America. I'm going to be 26, so this is my last year of eligibility, and I really do hope that I, I get to be on stage at Miss America. See, that that's what's wild to me. For both of you, New England is like badly underrepresented in winners here. You haven't had a New Englander win since 1933. Yeah, we have a lot of New York winners, but New York doesn't count as uh, part of New England, right? <laughs> no, no, New York does not count as New England. But that's, <laughs> but that's one thing that's wild because I'm looking at, I mean, you mean to tell me really New England? Even my home states won this once. I'm originally from Nebraska. Even Nebraska won this once. Someone from New Hampshire's never won. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. How wild would that be? I mean, listen. For you to get the tiara, first New Hampshire, Miss America. I mean, I'm 19, so I have a couple of years left to try. I mean, obviously, I'm putting my entire heart and dedication into this one. So hopefully, we can do a one and done. But if that isn't the case, I definitely have a couple of tries, and I definitely want to see if I can make um, history not just only in the Miss America system, but for New Hampshire as well. For both of you, how did you find yourself at the same time you found this? So like I said, I joined the organization when I was like 13, and I was from a super conservative small town called Wolkett. 
in Connecticut, uh, and I saw no representation of anyone who was a member of the LGBTQ plus community, whether it be in politics, in leadership, in pageantry, nothing. Um, and so I wanted to be that source of representation. And so I competed for a year as a teenager, and that's when nude photos of me were leaked and posted around the world. And it was uh, a deeply traumatizing period of my adolescence. For the next five years, I stayed silent. I I didn't do anything that would potentially give anyone a reason to blackmail me. So I, I really tried not to do anything that I was proud of or, or really just put myself out there in any way. Um, and so when I was 19, uh, I founded a nonprofit called March Against Revenge Porn, which is an international organization that fights against technology-based sexual abuse, like what happened to me. I graduated uh, from my bachelor's program. I uh, worked in Congress, and then I decided to come back and learned that the Miss America organization had eliminated the swimsuit portion of their competition and was putting an emphasis on service. And it was about 10 years later, and I finally saw myself as the fully fleshed out version of, of who I authentically was. And I thought, what the hell? You know, why not take this opportunity and actually be who I am and see if showing up authentically can can help anyone in in this capacity and it's just it's it's been phenomenal i i was uh third runner up my first year at miss connecticut and first runner up last year um and so i've, I've only improved and seeing that improvement in myself is is i I'm, I'm really proud but more than anything regardless of whether i walk away as miss connecticut or with a crown or whatever it's really about all of the people who have reached out to me saying that living authentically using my my uh, pronouns, being non-binary, being tattooed, just being who I am uh, has mattered to them, and and that matters to me. Now, how did the start? Now, follow up to that though. How did some of the people in the pageant machinery? Mm -hmm. How did they approach? Wait a minute. They them pronouns and tattoos. I don't know about this kid. I mean, honestly, all of the people who I've competed with, the 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 girls that have stood next to me are, have been completely supportive. The only people that I've read mean comments from are strangers who are not involved or folks who were involved historically in the organization and who, who were not happy with the, the direction that the organization was going in. And to me, if you're not happy with the, the direction it's going in, which is one towards empowerment and less towards objectification, then we're not on the same page anyway. I had an article in the newspaper come out like last week about me winning Miss Stanford and, and people were commenting, throwing up emojis and saying, you know, don't drink what's in the water there. And my thought is if, if, if they feel empowered by going on the computer and typing rude things uh, behind the, the veil of anonymity, then I should sure as heck feel empowered to be exactly who I am because clearly nothing's stopping them. So why should something stop me? Well, by the way, what Leah was just talking about, the organization that, that they put together, this is serious business here. And in fact, if you want to know more about what they're doing, It'll be in the liner notes on our Twitter, and it will be on Instagram as well. In fact, all our social media will link this because this this is a very important cause. Thank you. Brianne, coming to you, because I have a feeling that in a lot of ways, us both being transgender women, our stories probably run parallel. 
So for me, I joined pageantry a little later. Now, this is my first year within this specific organization, but I've jumped around a couple of very small pageant systems in my day. And again, it was just for me to achieve the stream of, okay, I haven't seen someone like me. Can I prove to myself that I can do it? Not just for myself, but like I said, all the other people who may not be a part of the binary norm. And for me, that was a very special cause and one I worked very hard for. And through that journey, I was able to grow my social media on TikTok, especially past 50,000 followers, which is something that I'm very proud of. And to this day, I still get people who tell me how impactful my participation, just my participation, because I'm going to be honest, I haven't won that many pageants in my career. Um, they would just tell me how impactful my participation alone has allowed them to bloom into the passions of their life, whether that be the arts, whether that be in academics, or just in their social life in general, or even in their personal life to their parents. It's given them the strength to be able to find the power within themselves to be who they are. And that, for me, has been the most special part of this journey. Well, so follow up to that. When did you realize that, no, this is who I am. I'm going forward with this. Well, actually, I came out as transgender just a month before I entered my very first pageant. <laughs> that, I heard you. Okay, one month you come out and immediately you said, like, I'm going in there. Okay, what was that like? I, I mean, for me, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to become trans because I want to join a pageant. It was more so like, I'm discovering myself through this industry that I I've adored for so long and it it exposed something in me that I didn't realize that I even had and because I was surrounded by so many women who are like-minded like me who were in this pageant industry as cisgendered women and there was a part of me that was like I want to experience that and I want to be able to have what they have and when I came out as transgender I was like it's not just about the pageantry it's about the self in general and so going in one month in, I was absolutely terrified that <laughs> someone was going to say something. The anxiety in me really kicked up to an 11. But at the end of the day, I showed up. I tried my absolute darndest. I got second runner up, best in modeling, fan favorite. I got a lot of attention from that. And we're here now. You certainly are. Cause like I, like I said, I checked out, I checked out both your Instagrams and I'm looking and a little bit later on, I'm going to get beauty tips from both of you. I'm just going to let okay. you know that right now. Leah, first pageant you were ever in, you did blank. I did. Um, first pageant I was ever in, I sang a song about God and I stand by it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I am a singer and I also do spoken word poetry. So these days my talent is more so poetry, but, um, I sang when I was in my first pageant and I sang a song by Martina McBride called anyway. And she says like, uh, you know, God is great, but sometimes life isn't good, but I do it anyway. And even though I felt so disconnected from religion, I still do. I, I, I'm spiritual, but I don't really have any 
concrete beliefs. I don't believe in organized religion. My point is, um, to be able to feel that, that spirituality, that higher power within myself while I was singing, that's really what I was singing about. And I still feel that now. And it just feels so empowering to believe that, um, you, you can, you know, be the one who saves yourself. Uh, so that's a long-winded way of saying that I sang about God and I still would today. <laughs> Brianne, in my first pageant, I did blank. I wore two different gowns. And so originally, because I was signing up so last minute, I ordered a gown offline. It was coming the day, uh, day after the pageant. And I was just like, this can't do. So myself <laughs> and my best friend, we went to David's Bridal to find something very last minute. Budget was $200. I found two absolutely horrific dresses for $80 on prom sale. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring a second gown with me to show the girls that I'm versatile. And so I competed in one gown and I showed up to crowning in another gown um, because I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give the people separate looks i'm gonna gag them <laughs> oh so no you're gonna serve them a little something here and then a little something there those gowns are no longer in my possession thank goodness hopefully they are serving someone else much better than they served me <laughs> i wonder for for both of you go-to outfit i love a power suit especially like a, a nice like bold color and then like a big button that has some sort of empowering social justice message. I think you can't go wrong with a power suit. I'm wondering what, what social justice message are you running right now? Mm. Um, so the message, well, first of all, I mean, like, I think we need to be advocating for trans people 24-7 every day. So, like, I have a button. I'll, I'll have my trans flag button. And then below that, it'll be my take back the net button. Because that's the campaign that I'm running uh, with the Miss America organization as an extension of my nonprofit, March Against Revenge Porn. And so I'm advocating for a safer internet um, for, for marginalized folks, both on and offline, um, by, you know, diversifying uh, folks in the tech industry so that way you know when when people uh are are writing these tech policies we don't just have a bunch of elon musks and jack dorsey's and mark zuckerberg's in charge because we don't need more um <laughs> of the same people in charge uh but also uh making sure that young people know how to use tech and and social media safely so what happened to me and the abuse that i suffered doesn't happen to anyone else so take back the net and protect trans people those Quick are my take. buttons. <laughs> Quick take. There's a power suit in my background. What's your thoughts on that power suit? Oh, ooh, ooh. Carly? Yes. Everything. Wait, can you move over to your yeah, right? Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah. Move to your right. Okay, you're going to make me move. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, oh, yes. God, yes. I, love, I love the printed top underneath it. That little pop of print is everything. You look good. Well, well I'm, glad I got, I'm glad I got the seal of approval. I'm glad, I'm glad I got that because I wore that suit for something very important. So now, Brianne, what about you? What What's the go-to outfit? So I'm always running errands. I'm always running around being a little crazy, a little busy with 
running around like a chicken with the tag cut off. Um, and I always want to be comfortable. I always have some lip gloss on, a little bit of eyeshadow, some highlighter, and then my favorite combination. I'm actually wearing it right now. Um, high-waisted jeans, bell-bottom, dark wash jeans, and also a nice fuzzy top because, like I said, it is cold, a girl gets chilly, and I need to stay warm when I'm out and about doing my business. Well, I can tell you what, we're always about the flares, and right now we're hearing the red alert klaxon, which means we're all about taking a break and giving a little bit of love to the sponsors. But when we come back, more with Brianne Wynn, more with Leah Juliet, where we're going to talk about winning, slaying, and the mess that our community is dealing with right now. That and more to come. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay-Webb. I'm joined by two future pageant superstars. One of these two could be a future Miss America. One currently holds the title of Miss Stanford, even if that honorific is not used in their real life. Leah Juliet, Miss Stanford, and representing... Greater Dairy, Miss Greater Dairy, New Hampshire, Brianne Wynn. Glad to have you both back here to the transporter room. And at least in your towns, you wear the big tiara. What was it like to win? For me, um, so I had never really won a pageant that had such a relevancy like Miss America. And so going in, it was really all just kind of like a last ditch chance because for me, I had a really bad experience at my previous pageant and I was going to take a little bit of time off, like a little retirement. And so before that, I saw Miss America had a couple more locals in my state and I told myself, I'm going to regret this if I don't do it. I joined and most my mindset has always been that I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy that I'm even allowed to participate in the first place. And so I just gave everything I knew I could give, sat there with three absolutely amazing girls who actually won titles later on. So all four of us are going to Miss New Hampshire. And they announced my name as the winner. As you saw in, um, you might have seen a little viral TikTok that I made on my winning moment. I was shocked. I was flabbergasted, gobsmacked, all just the words. Um, they put the crown on my head, and the rest of that week just went by like a blur. And it's been one month now, and I can't believe it. By the way, that viral TikTok, the link will be in the liner notes for the show. You yeah. Need see, you, you need to see this moment if you haven't seen it, because it was, I mean, it was some serious fire energy right there. You need to be checking you need to be checking this out. And Leah, for you, what was it like to win? Wait, Carly, is this another power suit behind you? 
Yeah. Actually, yeah. Actually, yes. It is another power suit. Actually, I love the red. It is another one. I told you I was going to use this to get fashion tips. <laughs> I, I, I told people, no, I'm going to get me some. When I first told people I'm with the show, you know, I'm going to get some fashion. How often do I get fashion tips from people that know some fashion? Well, now you have know your what own looks personal, good. personal fashion friends. Oh, but. But what was what was winning like? Um, you know, I've been really lucky to have won um, several local pageants at this point, uh, to have gone pretty far at Miss Connecticut. Uh, and I will tell you that no matter what anyone says, uh, you never know when you're standing up there if they're going to call your name or not. And regardless of how well you think you did, there. There's always a part in the back of your mind that thinks, you know, this will not be me. Uh, and I think that that's imposter syndrome. Um, so for me, knowing that I did absolutely everything I could to reflect the most honest, authentic version of me, to say the things that were messy or unpopular or political, um, I think made me feel like regardless of what happened, I was proud of myself. Um, so I was really excited to be able to represent Stanford. I just moved here like six months ago. So uh, it was really exciting now to be able to work in the community. Um, I don't know. It's always really humbling to be able to win because obviously knowing that there's one person winning means several other people not winning. So for me, it's about being aware of the privilege that I have to be able to be here, but also be grateful and proud of myself for doing it in the most authentic way to me. For both of you, what would it be like to get to the big stage? Let's say that you do get to, you do get to represent your respective states. What would that I mean, be? What do you think that'd be like? I mean, like you said, uh, New Hampshire has never won Miss America, and for me, I am nineteen, so nineteen can be said pretty young for the Miss age, and so just to even go there at such a young age. Is such an accomplishment within itself. And to open the, again, to open the doors for just so many people to see that just within that participation, that someone felt that they were good enough to be on that stage is so empowering to me at the end of the day. And Miss America is the ultimate dream. And I absolutely believe that it can happen maybe even just by next year, but it definitely is something I want to do by the time I age out. Imagine um, this. What would it be it's... like if this happened? You have Miss America, and it comes down to Leah Juliet, Miss Connecticut versus <laughs> versus Brian Wynn, Miss New Hampshire. What would that be like if it came down to you two? And I always thought, like, Miss America does it really cold. They, they'll just, they'll be like those last two, and they'll announce one is Miss America. Or, the, or they'll do it the other way, which is, you're, they'll, they'll announce who runner-up was first. Or if they get Steve Harvey, he'll announce the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that would be like for you two? Do you even... I do you two, since you're close and you are friends, do you even think, do you even catch yourself thinking about that just that little bit? I mean, Brianna and I have only known each other for like a month. 
So but I y'all become some fast friends. Yeah, I saw absolutely. your I saw your Instagram live. Yeah. And we're gonna get Honestly, to more of that in a little bit. I've never felt I d I don't know. Knowing wh- when I first saw Brianne win her title, I wanted to make sure that I don't know, I wanted to make sure that you felt as supported as possible, at least by fellow LGBTQ plus candidates. And I really wanted you to have all of the opportunities that I think you deserve, which is why I I was, I'm like, you know, giving you like this tour of uh, different podcasts. Um, I don't know. It would be, it would be incredible if Brianne and I got to be the final two together at Miss America. I think regardless of who won, it would be an incredible moment for inclusion. And I would be so proud. I would cry. I feel like Brianne, I kind of feel like your older sibling because, (laughs) because I'm, I know I'm like, six or six years older than you but i feel like we have had similar experiences and i uh want to protect you and <laughs> do everything i can to support you so i'd be so proud of you you're actually uh, tear up right now so this is like well, <laughs> well i'm just like it seeing you both and but brown brown what was it like getting to know leah's story yeah and i'm pretty sure you probably heard a good deal of Leah's story before, even before y'all even met. I mean, so for me, I, when I won, I'm going to be honest, I didn't know of Leah's existence up until that point. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm so sorry, but for me, I, I really did think that I was going to be in this kind of alone um, just because this was my first year within the organization. So I wasn't aware of a lot of the people who were, relevant within the organization. And so I really thought, okay, I'm going to kind of have to go through this alone. Um, And there was a part of me that was like, okay, you know, at least I'll get to, you know, figure it out for someone else if they get to have that opportunity. But to find out that there was a person who had experienced this not once, not twice, but three times within this organization and to find out that they, you know, absolutely everything that needs to be done to do well at uh, Miss America State competition. I was absolutely thrilled to have gone to meet you. And I do feel that big sisterly energy. And I cannot wait to meet you soon in just a couple of weeks for a big event. And I would be so blessed to share the Miss America stage with you. I would be so blessed to hold hands with you. I would be fighting with you for hands on top. I will be fighting for hands on top. Have you heard of that, Carly, before? the hands What on- is that? So there is a huge old wives' tale in pageantry that the girl or the person who has their hands sitting on top, not like, not like this, not like this, but has to be on top, whoever has their hands on top, will be the winner. It has led to some awkward interactions where you watch a top two kind of struggle to mm-hmm. put their hands on top. And that definitely is me. <laughs> I'm always trying to like hands on top. Now, one thing I, I want to give a little, give a little bit of play of this. Cause you talked about, you got something coming up where you're going to be doing a joint appearance together. Yes. Songs of Solidarity coming up. Tell me about that. 
Yes, Carly. Um, so I am hosting Songs of Solidarity, which is essentially a benefit concert at Seven Angels Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut, happening on December 20th. Uh, and I'm bringing together LGBTQIA plus performers, including Brianne from around the state of Connecticut and around just the Northeast in general. Um, and tickets are benefiting the Colorado Healing Fund, which is the nonprofit that's accepting donations on behalf of Club Q after the recent horrific uh, hate-motivated shooting that happened there. So we're going to have a uh, silent auction, we're going to have performers, we're going to have speakers, and it's just going to be a wonderful evening of community and solidarity uh, and support with our whole queer and trans family. And Brianne's performing! And so am I. <laughs> and that makes three of us. Yes, I'm gonna blow my own. I'm gonna blow my own horn too. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna do some poetry there. You are. Yes. Oh, I'm a spoken okay. word poet too. So I'm gonna do a little poetry. I'm gonna do a little poetry there. So know that. And talking about that, gut feelings, reactions, after a few few weeks removed from what happened at Club Q. I mean, God, I remember driving uh, the moment I found out about the Pulse nightclub in Orlando and and just feeling at the at the time like I I could have lost my own partner at the time uh, to to suicide because of all of the intersections of violence and and mental health and trauma that affects our community. And so, uh, I felt like I was reliving that moment, but then knowing that, uh, this could happen again and that we still, you know, years later, haven't seen any, um, preventative actions to end gun violence, uh, ban assault weapons and protect queer and trans people through infrastructural changes in our state and local governments. It's deeply disheartening. I think that shootings like this are going to continue to ravage both our community and safe places and safe places of refuge for all marginalized communities until we take action to end gun violence and to uh, really just get guns out of the hands of, you know, anyone. Um, I don't think anyone needs an assault weapon. Uh, and I just think that when we're arming hate and misinformation and we are allowing, you know, coded language and cruel, violent rhetoric to be disseminated through the media and even through the people in our homes and in our backyards and not standing up and saying that is not accepted, that is not welcome here, that it's going to keep happening, the violence is going to get worse. And I I I don't I don't know. It's it's horrible and it's scary and it's frustrating and infuriating. And I don't know if there's enough words or adjectives to say how I feel. Do you feel cishet communities have been too silent? Yes. I do. I think... Uh, this is for I mean, both of you, I might add. Both yeah, of you yeah. drink in on this. This just jump on in it at this point. I don't think that... I think that there's a big misunderstanding when it comes to the LGBTQIA plus community. I think because we, you know, include the T in with the LGBTQIA acronym um people it, it gives people permission to say you know oh well 
the LGBTQ community has their rights. You know, they have marriage equality and not realizing that, you know, marriage equality certainly may affect trans people, but it's definitely not all and, the legislation. And some people want to take it away. Right. And As yes. this recent law we just got passed shows you some people want to water it down or take it away. Right. Right. So I think that there's uh, just a complete lack of understanding as to the needs of our community. Um, and it's uh, until we can have comprehensive education in schools, we're not going to be fostering empathy. We're not going to be fostering knowledge about our community. And that's just going to lead to more misinformation and more violence. Brianna, what about you? What's your, where, where's your gut feelings at right now? It, when those when those thoughts of Club Q come into play, heartbreakingly, it's just absolutely numb. I mean, I was a very young kid when Pulse nightclub shooting happened, and just graduating out of high school, it, um, we were the high school shootings were very prevalent in the everyday talk of high school students and gun safety, and absolutely agree with Leah about gun violence and gun um, control policies, but at the same time, mental health access. Um, from what we are told by the media, the gunman at Club Q is non-binary, and that wasn't properly treated, and they were raised in an incredibly harmful household, having a father that is incredibly conservative and just incredibly against any form of the LGBTQIA community. And so just bettering health care access in public schools so that people like us can thrive and not have to hide ourselves. Now, if if some of you out there don't believe what Brianna's telling you, trust me, um, I'm putting that in the liner notes too. This was the interview with the alleged suspect's father. And you and if and if you haven't seen this, you need to watch this. This is how far some people have gone. He wasn't most par uh, most parents, at least with a brain working, would say, "I can't believe my kid did that." This guy's first words were, oh, "I'm glad he's they were at the club. But I'm glad they weren't gay." Some people would rather their children be uh, violent murderers than be gay or be an, any semblance of who they are. And I think that speaks volumes about the, the, the root of the problem here. It also speaks more. There's a lot of people that would rather their kids not be trans. And, mm -hmm. and Leah, for example, you and I live in a state where people are fleeing to. Right. Because states where they live in. Oh no, we don't want the states of living are saying you can't be trans here. And they're coming here for both of you. Your thoughts on not only the anti-trans hysteria that seems to never end, but what we've seen this year. I mean, we talked about earlier about how taking opportunities away. And earlier I had the Leah Thomas background. I want y'all to start there, move through this year. What kind of year has this been for trans people? I mean, j just from statistics alone, we've seen uh, a greater uptick in hate-motivated violence, murder, uh, discrimination, and, and just overall ravaging of the trans community than, than we've ever seen before. 
Um, we've also seen more online violence and more uh, politically motivated violence, uh, specifically by white nationalist, white supremacist groups. So I think it really shows that all of these things are uh, interconnected. So we're seeing an uptick in misinformation and, and news networks like Fox uh, and conservative news media talking about trans issues. And then somehow we're seeing uh, an uptick in violence. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, so to me, that just shows that, you know, the, the more that uh, false rhetoric and damaging rhetoric goes unchecked, uh, it empowers people who have access to weapons to harm people with those weapons. Now, as we were talking about that, Ms. Wynn, you had this look that could burn through lead. You did. <laughs> what about what trans folks are going through? And I want you to be specific to trans women on this one as well. What about this time that we're seeing really brings that look that burns through lead for you. I mean, being a part of like this trans influencer spaces that I've been able to share with those like Dylan Mulvaney and a lot of other transgender folks that are starting to gain relevancy on social media spaces. I've seen the ostracization and marginalization even further just to see all the rude, nasty comments that people get and then the violence that comes with that. I know that myself and many other trans folks have had an incredible uptick in violent messages. A lot of people telling me to kill myself, join that 40% statistic of trans youth that kills themselves. I, at parades, have to have a SWAT car behind me because there's a fear that I something could happen to me as a transgender public figurehead. And that to me is incredibly disheartening because I know that I just want to live my life and that I just want to be the absolute best title holder I can be for this organization. And the focus on the identity and the hate rather than the love and the acceptance that we can bring to this organization is just something that I absolutely hate to see. One thing, you mentioned Dylan Mulvaney, and Dylan was the subject of a Carly's Last Call a few weeks back about how Dylan, young and baby trans as she is, really handled a very difficult situation with grace. In your mind, how important is it, especially for yourself, to even, even with the emotions that come up, to stay graceful, to stay, to stay in that very regal place, i.e., the place where I see you when you were when you were holding court in a certain red dress on Instagram. I mean, I definitely have been in that space before where I have replied to hate comments and DM people who comment on my posts with not nasty things but definitely very defensive and very quick in spite. And that to me was just an energy that I focused on in therapy that was not a healthy mindset for me to continue to dish out this negative energy to people who gave me negative energy. And so for me, I've always just let my peace be. I've always let my win speak for itself. If you ever notice my comments on my Instagrams, 
it's all about the appearance. It's all about the trans people taking away opportunities, but it's never been about the performance because no one can say anything about the performance. Let's talk about how you get there. Because now we're getting to the fun stuff. We're getting to, in our case, the nerd. I call it the nerd geek part of the program, but I have a feeling y'all geek out on some beauty. Y'all geek out on some fashion and some makeup. So first off, the for both of you, what is the insta what is the indispensable part of your beauty routine? What's the one thing you cannot do without? For Sleep. me, oh okay. That yes. Sorry, go ahead, Bria. For me, it's all about I I know people hate this word, but moisture, moist. So it's all about keeping hydrated. It's all about keeping your skin hydrated. So you practically have to force yourself to drink water. Um, I know I suck at drinking water. And so I always have a little tumbler cup that the girl who crowned me Miss Greer Dairy, the current Miss Winnipesaukee, Kenzie Howe, gave me. I'm always chugging water out of that. Always keeping my skin hydrated with great moisturizers. That way your makeup lays on nice and smooth and will not crease throughout the day. Skincare is absolutely essential. I'm going to say the same thing. I have PCOS. Uh, so in addition to lovely polycystic ovaries, I also have like issues with my skin. Um, and I will just break out for the rest of my life. Uh, so I find that um, uh, a really good primer is is really what's going to help fill in uh, the, the problem areas, I guess. And I will say that I wear makeup probably like 5% of the time. I wear no makeup 95% of the time with my hair up in my sweatpants. I work from home. Listen, I am going to do what's sustainable for me. Um, so when I do wear makeup, I, I think a good primer, a good moisturizer, a good base to give the makeup something to stick to, especially if you have uh, trouble with your skin. And so another What's another thing? I'm writing this down, see. <laughs> another thing that I want to add is I absolutely agree with Leah on wearing makeup 5% of the time. For me, when I want to have a full face on, a lot of the time before and after that, I wear absolutely zero makeup. Letting your skin breathe and letting your skin rest is absolutely essential to creating a base because if you're constantly slapping stuff on, scrubbing stuff on, you are destroying your skin barrier. And so I always try my best to wear as little face makeup as I can at a time, always wear some sunscreen. Great skincare will shine through. And the days where I absolutely need five pounds of makeup for a competition day or a grand appearance, then it'll look absolutely amazing and last all night. Okay, so... I'm writing all this down so you get hydrate. I gotta back up off the makeup a little bit. That okay? That's kind of that's hard. <laughs> um, that's hard because hey, now I'm just one. Okay, younger people to an older person, namely me. me. What's what's one additional tip you can give me? How can I how can I look as um, how can I come close to looking as young as y'all? My only thing that I would say is to wash your face, kind of like what Brianna is saying, but my mom, my mom wears makeup every day. She wears lots of mascara and yet 
she never washes the makeup off. And so she wonders, you know, why, <laughs> why am I having trouble? with my makeup and my eyelashes and the, the issue is that we need to wash our face we need to wash our makeup off uh so yeah definitely wash your makeup off before you go to sleep because then you know your pillowcase will get dirty that'll lead to breakouts or, or whatever issues you may be having but i will recognize that they didn't stress makeup remover and stuff so much you know uh when my mom was growing up so it's not her fault <laughs> well now one thing i do want to do for all of you see because like i said like I said, I got, hey, we're coming on the stretch drive here. I'm on the home stretch, and I figure, you know what? Why not? How would y'all outfit Carly Webb? What would you do? I love the absolute, the symmetry of the purple. I love the purples in your hair. I love the purples that are on your sweatshirt right now. I would absolutely love to put you in something very soft very lavender, very floral. It gives a little bit of joy and oh. something that would bring out that inner youthful happiness. Something with a little lace. I absolutely love lace. I find it ultra feminine and one of my favorite fabrics to work with. Very light and breathable as well. And then layer it up with a nice knee length pleather coat. That, that would be for me. Ooh, oh, you see, okay, I'm going to write that down. Leah, how about you? Brianna's much more fashionable than me. Um, so I don't know, because I don't know, because you can br you be bringing it too now. They, um, literally for Miss Connecticut, their gown was a bodysuit with a skirt on it. And I think it was the most absolutely amazing thing I've ever seen. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, my, my last competition that I won, Miss Stanford, I just pieced together a bodysuit that I bought online with a skirt from a gown that I already had. So, Carly, how you, I would outfit you. Mm -hmm. How would you outfit me? Okay, so I have a bit of an advantage because I've seen Carly IRL before. Okay. And I know that you like to wear your high knee socks um, because it gives like an athletic vibe. It's cute. I love that vibe. What I would do is I would lean into that, but make them like, uh, like a, like a knee high stocking, uh, black with like some lace on it. So you still have that, uh, nice look. And then you could tuck it into some heels because the stocking layered with a heel is really in nowadays. Uh, and then I would do the same thing. Do like some sort of like dress or sh like something shorter. So that way it shows off the stockings and then like a nice layered, uh, pleather coat, just like what Brianne is saying. That's super in for the fall and the winter. Carly, I was just going to say, see, now your challenge is that when we all meet each other in real life at my uh, at Songs of Solidarity, you have to wear one of the outfits we picked out for you. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking it'll definitely probably be the heels because, <laughs> I mean, admittedly, you, you know, you know, we're going through this inflationary period right now. So I've got to I've got to reuse recycle. Yes. Right now. And there's I'm, no shame in that. <laughs> no, there is no shame. There is no shame in that. And. I have loved the beauty tips here, but both of you, for both of you, this has been wonderful. Exit question for each of you for what you've done and putting yourselves out there the way you have. For me, it's inspiring. What message do you hope that your visibility and your success will send to others, especially in our trans communities or non binary communities? 
our LGBTQ communities? I want to say that for me, this entire journey has been to basically not conform, to encourage others to not conform. Um, A little exercise I've had is to think of five words about yourself that you would describe yourself and not just basic words like fun or funny or cute, but to think of words that have more meaning. For me, I would say glamorous. I would say empathetic. And then think about those five words. You probably don't have the same five words as someone else. And behind those words is a human being with millions of unique assets that you bring to this world that no other person has. And that you have to embrace that because you're the only one who has those assets and that you get to decide who the best version, the most uniquely you version is. And that's what I want everyone to know is to be uniquely you. I'm smiling through everything that Brianne is saying because it is inspiring me in real time. Um, what I usually say is that um, when, when people ask me about the importance of representation, you know, there's a statistic, there's, there's over 2 million LGBTQ plus youth in America. That is over the size of the entire population of the state of Alaska. And Alaska just brought us our new Miss America, the first Miss Alaska to ever be Miss America, Emma Broyles. Imagine the empowerment and the representation that the people of Alaska feel having their first Miss America. Now imagine what the entire LGBTQIA plus community in the entire country of, of the United States would feel to have an LGBTQIA plus Miss America, to have a non-binary Miss Connecticut, to have a trans Miss New Hampshire, to have someone that they can look at and say, you know, before I, before I saw you, I didn't feel as if I could belong in this space. But now not only do I know that I belong in this space, but I could actually thrive in this space and i think everyone everyone deserves that and if they want if you want to be a part of the miss america organization you know we welcome you with open arms because that is what this space has been for us and and we hope to be able to create that space for other people to come win or lose tiara or not you've created that space and the world's a little bit better because you did leah juliet brianne win Thank you for being a part of the Transporter Room this week. I must say, I'm inspired and I'm honored with your presence. Your Thank you, Carly. <laughs> this is sort of my first like formal podcast appearance since I've won Miss Greater Dairy. And to have shared so much with people who are listening in, I'm so honored to be here and I thank you for having me on. And I thank Leah for telling me about this and for bringing me along everywhere you go, because I, again, I feel like your little sister going through this and I do hope that we see each other at Miss America. Well, we will see each other there and then we'll see each other at songs for solidarity five days. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boy, it was an honor next year. <laughs> oh, it was oh a- yes. Yes. It was an honor to have both of you. I'm going to beam you back down to Connecticut and New Hampshire. Special thanks to Leah Juliet and Brianne Wynn for a regal, fashionable, beautiful transporter room this week. But before we go, Carly's last call. Transphobia for a stronger America. Well, transphobia for a strong America got beat at the polls. Raphael Warnock 
winning the Senate runoff in Georgia, Herschel Walker losing, and that means another loss in the ledger for University of Kentucky swimmer turned spoil sport Riley Gaines. Just a note to the Republican Party. Maybe having bad sports as spokespeople just isn't a good idea. And speaking of bad sports, there's another set of bad sports that are making their way to a celebration of excellence in sport. The USA Cycling Cyclocross World Champions are happening in downtown Hartford, Connecticut this week. Now, if you don't know what cyclocross is, I'm telling you, it's fun, it's fast, and for a cycle, road cyclist like me, it'll make me want to get off the road and get in the grass and the gravel. It's something I want to try, and I'm looking forward to covering and being at this event. I'm also looking forward to seeing a certain performer in particular. Her name is Austin Killups, who's had a dynamic year. A few weeks ago, she won a tune-up event in Northampton, Massachusetts. She's looking to improve on a 10th place finish in the women's elite race at Nationals this year. She's had a season that pretends that she may do that and maybe even do a little bit more, maybe podium, maybe a champion. But some people don't like that. You see, Austin Killips is a transgender woman. And she's just good on a bike. But a certain group who calls themselves Save Women's Sports don't like that. Now, if you're a part of the Transporter Room Nation, you've heard of these people and you've heard of the head of it, Beth Stelzer. And you know that they've done this often before. Most recently, at the NCAA Division I Women's Swimming Diving Championships back in March in Atlanta, Georgia. They flew down and got a little assist from certain people from the UK for one purpose, to harass one person, a person named Leah Thomas. Why was she a target? Because she was fast in the pool and was trans and had a shot to win, which she did in the 500-yard freestyle. And now they're at those shenanigans again. And they're coming to Connecticut to do it. Now, just for people that may not know about Connecticut, in 2011, the state of Connecticut passed a human rights law which affirmed full rights for gender identity as well as a protected class. And most recently, they became the first state to extend an amnesty law to parents who affirmed their transgender child and who were afraid of certain states like Texas who threatened to extradite those parents if they left to seek affirming medical care. And a a few families have fled to Connecticut to live and grow and affirm their child. That's the state that these people are coming to. Now, some people may want to be counter-protesters to the protests that are most likely coming just because a certain Austin Killips is going to bike. To those people, I say, I got a better idea than going protest sign for protest sign with a bunch of Karens. I encourage you to buy a ticket package and go inside to the race course and cheer loud 
for the from some of the best cyclists in the USA. Cheer for the amateurs, cheer for the masters, the age groupers, and yes, cheer for the elite athletes who are fighting for national championships. This is the athlete's time, so let's let the athlete shine. And, you know, if you happen to have a trans flag on you, wave it every time Austin Killups rides by pedaling hard. That's the best counter-protest you could give. Now, a note to the Save Women Sports people. You know, you're welcome to come. And I hope that when you do come to Connecticut, you get some of that hospitality us nutmakers are known for. We look forward to having you. But let it be known this. We understand why you're here. You see, most of us, myself, for example, we're here to celebrate and root for someone. You're here to harass and hound someone. Hopefully, USA Cycling understands this. I have it on good authority from a certain Molly Cameron that they do. And the shenanigans that happened in Illinois last year most likely won't fly this year. Or at least I hope so. But if you try to do something, just remember two things. One, we really don't cotton to transphobes here in the great state of Connecticut. And number two, there's a sentence that you really don't want to hear from law enforcement in this state. It's called breach of peace. I'm just saying. And that's the transporter room for this week. And... For all of you out there, if there's someone you want to see, something you want to see, or something you want to say about what I'm doing here, please leave a message on my Facebook page. Leave a message on our Twitter page or leave a message at our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Ford. Remember, everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you, the people who support us. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch y'all next week.